You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? It is the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports and Sports Radio 94 WIP. As Powell reminded me at the end of the last episode, I'm going to remind you guys now, download that Odyssey app. Make sure hey. you do. There you go. Exactly. See, I'm a host again. I'm a host. All, all it took was one <laughs> reminder from you. I'm, I'm coachable. But download the Odyssey app. You get all the episodes first. And also, leave a five-star review. Uh, ask a question. You know, you, it's, look, you're already listening to the pod. That Your phone is in your hand. Just leave that quick five-star review. Ask a question. And I will promise you, I will make sure Kyle answers it. Or you could ask a question for me. I don't know why you would pick me over Kyle. But if you want to, we will answer whatever question you want with that five-star review. Kyle, what's up, buddy? It's a, uh, it's a cold Saturday morning, which I guess is pretty fitting considering SGA just gave the Sixers that work about two nights ago. Yeah, we're up early on a, well, not that early, but we're up on a Saturday morning with the Sixers on the West Coast doing a podcast. So it'll be, it'll a, be a long point, day, long <laughs> day of Sixers basketball today. I didn't think about that. So you'll, I mean, obviously I'll stay up and watch them too, but when it, these games probably won't end until what, 1 a.m., something like that? Uh, tonight it won't be that bad. I think it's a nine o'clock start. So that'll probably be like an 1130 midnight ending, right. which is still not, you know, ideal. But no, uh, no post game pods is what you're saying. No, I mean, if we were true sickos, we could do that. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think anybody's staying up that late to listen to a podcast. I could well, be wrong, but Dougie P will be coaching tonight, so you know who knows. Maybe we'll if he if he gets that win tonight over the uh, Chargers, maybe we'll have enough energy for it. But I'll be at a wedding tonight, so I, I'm I'm nixing the uh, the the post game pod now. But I am a little upset we didn't do it after the Thunder game because my boy. As always, it's so funny. Like, I feel like I have I have the golden touch in a way. I talk about Zach Levine. He <laughs> lights the Sixers up. Talk about SGA. The Thunder, surprisingly, obviously their team overall is trash. But they kind of do have Elliot's ideal dream roster in the way that they're literally all just athletic guards that probably are not that great. But I enjoy watching them play. The game itself, though, Kyle, did not go great for the Sixers. So quick tangent. We actually had a discussion in the media room the other right. night. Are you, You're familiar with uh, Victor Wembanyama, the kid who's oh, going to yeah. go number one overall next year. So 
we had a chat about who we would like to see him go to the most among mm-hmm. the teams that are like possibly in that mix in the lottery. Yep. I think the Thunder are probably number one for me. Yeah. Uh, because because they already have Shea and they're like a actually kind of competitive team among the like tanking teams. I think that'd be an awesome combination. That's like a minimum. You're probably winning multiple titles. With those guys. Oh, I love that you're saying that's a minimum. You're winning multiple times. Well, Wembenyama is just like if he stays healthy, that kid's gonna be like the absolutely most dominant player in the league at some point during his career. So you put him with Shea, who's already like a now a 30 point a game scorer, basically. Yeah. Like and then they have like eight million first round picks. Well, I and just, they have Chet coming back. Right. Well, but you, if you draft Wembenyama, I think you trade Chet and like other stuff to get like a right now real guy. And then you can win like right away. So, but we said the point was, I don't want to see the fucking Pistons get this guy because they suck and their GM sucks. And it's like they get rewarded for sucking. I'd rather see him go somewhere like OKC. Well, here's a question for you on that same tangent. So let's say you're Daryl you get a call from a hypothetical GM or, you know, Adam Silver or somebody and says, look, we want Wemby on the Sixers, but you got to make one offer. You get one trade offer and you get him, right? Like you forget the lottery, forget the draft. The Sixers get to make one trade offer to get him. What's your trade offer? Basically every pick I can trade. So all one of them until 2029. <laughs> yeah. Every pick I can trade, which is not many. Maxi. Um, who else would I throw in there? Would you trade Embiid? No, I like. Uh, so the problem, I love Wemby as much as you can love a prospect. Like, looks mm-hmm. awesome, but like, you can't trade an actual in his prime star for someone who might be one someday. Like, I think it's a more it's a more interesting question if you pose that for like the Shays and like the younger stars of the world that like. They've already proven that like they can do it in the NBA. Like we don't have any idea what this kid is gonna look like in like a real yeah. And even like even if he is as good as we think he can be, him being like a playoff level guy is still like you know half a decade away or whatever it is. So it's just not a thing you can do. But I I would understand the temptation. I love how you went from Shea and him win multiple titles to he's not a playoff performer for at least a half a decade. So that's these just, guys <laughs> don't win when they're uh, but they don't win when they're young. That's just like a fact fair. of the NBA. I, I probably would not trade Embiid, but the interesting part of it would be you're basically getting him Wemby on a rookie deal. I agree. And also for what it's worth, his game is incredible, but I also think it's incredibly unique. Like he's extremely skinny for his size too. I do wonder how he will adjust to the NBA. I find it hard to believe he'll just step in and be this like monster. What's he seven, four, like he can shoot, which is crazy. He's almost like a way bigger Durant kind of like a, a little bit. Like that's, you see flashes of it. At least I yeah. do think Durant was a more be partially because he's just smaller. He just looked like a more natural scorer where it's like, he almost looked like a guard. Whereas Wemby, you can still tell he's a big man, but mm-hmm. he has a lot of those same moves. So anyway, we'll say we'll, the, the, <laughs> the long and short of it is I'd love to see him and Shea together. Yeah. Me too. Another one I'd really like is uh, even though I don't want to see the Charlotte Hornets get rewarded him no, and the mellow, yeah. 
him and Lamelo would be really fun. That'd be a cool team. Yeah, Lamelo. Did, did you see that viral video going around of uh, they asked a bunch of little kids when you think of Melo, do you think of Carmelo Anthony or Lamelo Ball? And they basically all said Lamelo Ball. It is again another tangent, but I, I saw the lineup for Coachella recently, and I was like, <laughs> "Man, I am so washed." Ever I know. like the three headliners and like a few of the other like sub headliners, but that's about it. Man, a few years ago, and this is more than a few years ago, actually, it was probably like five years ago. I went to Firefly. Have you ever heard of Firefly? And like, yeah, yeah. so Eminem was playing, and I was like, "All right, I grew up liking Eminem." I haven't actually ever seen him live. Like, I'll go. That was the moment I realized concerts and day-long festivals are no longer for me. Like, I got there. <laughs> he didn't. First of all, he didn't even start performing until 11.45 at night. I was like, this is absurd that this is this late. And then he's like, he gets on the stage and he goes, hey, what's up, everyone? Like, just so you know, I'm not playing any of my old stuff. And I'm like, any of what are you playing all your new albums? Like, you haven't had a good song in forever. So... Anyway, on that Coachella tangent, I am also very much off of the festival beat, I think, at this age. I think once you're past like 25, festivals are probably no longer for Your you. expiration date comes up very quickly in that world. Yes, so I, it's I'm a very long day, quickly. All right, what I do really want to ask you, though, about the OKC game. Um, to me, I think in a weird way, it kind of reinforced my belief in the team just because I was – able to take your advice and just kind of wash it off as one of those games. I think the Thunder are playing better than their their kind of perception of them is. I mean, we saw what they did last night too. They went and uh, and beat the Bulls. Um, I think they have a team that specifically is an issue for the Sixers because they are so long and athletic. So I thought it highlighted the Sixers' main problem to me, which is that they're not very athletic, young, or fast. Like, they don't check any of those boxes. But just one of those games. It didn't really, no big red flags for me from that loss. I think it was a classic. We played a really shitty team twice in a row. Yeah. And we're not prepared for like a slightly better team to come in and like actually give an effort to beat them. And I don't think it helped that on New Year's Eve, James sat, PJ sat, they play Oklahoma City. And they just rolled them, despite the fact that Joel didn't play well. I'm sure they showed up thinking, we got this. Like, mm-hmm. And as much as it's like fans are going to jump down their throat for stuff like that, and I get it. Like, It is frustrating to watch a game like that. It's just one of those in the middle of the year where you're like, these nights happen. It, yeah. it, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Like, It happens with the Eagles. They'll play a couple of crappy teams and, and win easily, and then – they're not quite ready for like a normal ish team. Mm-hmm. They eventually win the game most of the time, but you know, you just fall into the the lull of the season. Um, I do think it just continued to add to what has been a pretty horrendous PJ season. Yes. And the longer that I watch him specifically, like I think the thing that's frustrating with him is not that he's played poorly because he has like, you know, he's had his good games here and there and he is a playoff focused guy and that's all well and good. I think the problem is he was brought in to do these like very specific things and be a quote unquote culture guy. The like, as you've said a thousand times, like he's got the dog in him, right. and that, like dog mentality. <laughs> you don't really see that. Like that's a game where, you can tell Joel James are like kind of not all there at the beginning, the whole team for that matter. But like mm-hmm. PJ supposed to be that guy who's locked in 
all the time, right? Like he's supposed to be able to pull them out of something like that. And whether it's because he just didn't want to or because he can't, which I think is a very important distinction, that did not happen. Like I just, I don't know that he is physically at the point where he can do that whenever he wants. It is kind of a, it might happen sort of deal. And that being the case, that's like a really tough thing for him because it's not like he's giving you like off the dribble game or no, like all kinds nothing. of other stuff. So you need him to be able to do that reliably, and he just hasn't. So I, I thought that was one thing that well, real, I real thought quick about somewhere. Real, real quick off that point um, about whether he can give them like that fire they need or if he's not willing. My issue when they signed him, and I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod, but – my issue is I just don't really believe role players can come in and change the mood of the locker room. I just think that I agree that that's on Joel and Harden. And I think Maxi, you know, you've talked about how he's kind of important in that locker room culture. I think he's important enough to do it. But this idea that PJ is going to come in and be like, come on, Joel, you should try tonight. And Joel is going to be like, oh, good point. I didn't think of that. Like, I just think it has to come down to, to Joel and, and Harden. The PJ thing, he's a fascinating kind of, player for me because on one hand he's definitely been hot garbage this year he's probably my least favorite sixer to watch in a really long time as much as ben at the end i absolutely hated watching him at least now that he's gone i can appreciate that he did other things that i was probably looking past because i just hate that he, i hated that he wouldn't shoot pj brings absolutely nothing like he he does he does nothing on the offense he just stands there he's not that great on defense anymore he's slow you know he's like a he's not big enough where he's like eight. i know he can guard five positions in theory but it doesn't look like he can this year he hasn't played that way my question for you is he's also interesting because he makes 10 million dollars a year or around there so in terms of trade pieces if you're not moving toby pj is kind of your only other piece where you're like all right he makes enough money to garner some type of decent return. I think on one hand, it's, well, PJ has played terrible this year, so who in the world would want him? But it's only been half a season where it seemed like he had a pretty decent market as a free agent this past offseason. I don't think any team was going to give him what the Sixers did, but teams were probably willing to give him $10 million for one year. Do you think his trade market is just absolutely gone, or do you think if they wanted to, they could move him to a team and just be like, yeah, this isn't working out here? So first of all, you brought up Ben. Did you happen to see his line in the Celtics game the other night? So I saw you didn't score a point. But he had nine rebounds, 13 assists, and zero points. Yeah, it's amazing. I so, mean, he is what yeah. he is, man. He, just, he a, just, just an absolute classic in uh, yeah, he Durant's is what he first is. game that he missed since the injury. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think there's a market for PJ. I could be wrong on that, but I, I don't think people are especially excited to pay a guy who looks like he can't move and hasn't shot well this year, at least relative to you know his normal standards for another two years at like 10 or 11 million per year. Yeah, like that's just, he's not going to get better at this point, right? Like he might be healthier at some point for like stretches of time. But the thing like what guys get older, they don't forget how to play basketball, right? But their bot or any sport for that matter but their bodies don't cooperate the same every day. Like if they can do all the prep and the stretching and sleep right and eat right and everything. And like, there are just days you roll out of bed and your body does not respond the same way. Your back is sore. 
for reasons that you don't understand. Amen. Or, Last like, night, I you and I know this. We're yeah, we're getting more washed every day. Like, exactly. It, yeah. It happens. You have like two drinks at a uh -oh. dinner, and you feel a little groggy the next day when like you do that five years earlier. It's like whatever. Yeah. You just wake up and you're feeling like uh, you I'm slept on a bed of roses. I'm already dreading going to this wedding tonight because realistically, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to drink. Like, let's be real. It's a wedding, but I, I'm just already dreading what tomorrow is going to feel like. So who knows? Maybe PJ's drinking every night and that's what he feels. Probably. probably I see. I, but I just think it, it's not even that, though. It's like your body on like base level does not feel as good every day yeah. when you're older. And so that is not going to improve. It's more likely than not that he'll suffer more like small injuries or you know like god forbid like an actual serious injury which he's managed to avoid most of his career because he just is at the end of the the road for a pro athlete like that that right. happens so i don't think it's you can convince a team like maybe you could say there's another you know team that's going for it this year that would say all right we would take a chance on him this season that you know we give him a month off or a few weeks off whatever it is he might bounce back by the time the playoffs roll around. And then he mm -hmm. becomes a very useful player against, you know, the, the Milwaukee's, the Boston's, the, the Brooklyn's of the world. But, you know, even then, if you're trading him to one of those type of teams, they need him to be good right now. And they like, they don't really have players to send back to you that are going right, to help you. Like it. they're not giving up real stuff now, which is what you need for PJ. Like, and any team, like a younger team, a, a, an up and coming team is not trading for PJ, right? Because they right. need to give guys developmental minutes. They have no use for 37, 38, 39 year old PJ Tucker over the next few years. They, they would rather just play younger guys. And so I don't really see who would go after him. Like, I, I don't think there's a market period. And so that like the salary, yes, would be nice if they could use that to match, but I, I just think it's a situation where they're painted into a corner and they need to just hope that he gets better. Like that, I, I don't think there's a, a fix at this point beyond saying he maybe sits for a few weeks and you get his body right. And, you know, mm -hmm. the all-star break, I'm sure will be big for him, but that's, this is what they signed up for. So that's, yeah. uh, they're kind of screwed if he doesn't get better. Well, he reminds me a little bit. Um, so with the Eagles, they traded for Robert Quint. And yeah. they did it because they had a chance to win the title, uh, the Super Bowl this year. Um, and they're like, all right, we need another edge rusher. And so the idea behind it makes sense. Now, obviously, they didn't give him three years, $30 million. So that that's one key difference in this situation. But they gave up a fourth round pick, which is not nothing for a, ha a half season rental. So Robert Quinn has been a complete disappointment. But if Robert Quinn can make one play that changes a game in the playoffs and they win that game, then the trade is completely worth it for them, right? Completely worth it. Yeah. The PJ thing's a little different because you still have him for, you know, year two and year three. But making it out of the second round is so incredibly important for this team this year. I mean, they have to do it. If they don't get out of the second round, there's no spinning it. The year is a complete failure. But if PJ in the second round can win you a game you wouldn't have won otherwise, or that you know, mythical dog that ha that he has in him shows up and he like motivates Joel, right? Then, then the then it's worth it. So while he has been terrible and I hate watching him and I would trade him, he's not really signed for these type of moments in these type of games. He's signed for win me game five in the second round and be that difference maker. And if he can do that, then things will look very different. 
it's just going to be very painful to watch until then. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, the, the, only, the thing that's really bad, though, it's like, so PGA was very good last year like last year's one of his better years he had mm-hmm. a good playoff run he obviously made a difference in that sixers heat series like felt like the personification of the difference between those two teams like made all kinds of effort plays right and you know that's what you expect getting pj right like and he i still think he has a chance to do that but the fact that he's been as bad as he is in the first year of the deal is really concerning because the three-year deal for 30 whatever million dollars is essentially the tax to get pj this year correct this was the season that was like all right we might get like one good year out of pj and this is it we're pushing our chips in we're gonna have to live with some pain on the back end likely some more injuries and some downturn from him at least we'll get this season the fact that he's come out in year one of this deal and looked as bad as he is and you know it's not like he has a major injury, right? Like he's got a, a hand issue from a pinched right. nerve and he's dealt with some other stuff, but this is without him having like a real problem. Like this isn't like a, I can't play. I sprained an ankle or did whatever. I'm out of the line or even worse, like a ligament tear, things yeah. like that. This is just a nagging injury that he has been totally unable to, you know, be himself while playing through. And so for that to happen in year one is really scary because in theory, it's only going to get worse from here. And then you're stuck with, you know, over $10 million in salary that is not really helping you. And there's nowhere to go from there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think of the 30 million you give him, you have to hope he's worth 20 this year. He's worth whatever next year. And then that final year of the deal, which he is most definitely going to opt into unless he decides to retire. Um, you just hope at that point he's a contract you can trade and, and yeah. for a team that's looking to kill space. So one thing I want to do on today's pod, um, you wrote a really good article on Philly Voice, uh, kind of midway point of the season, which you brought to my uh, attention actually with the article and with, and with the, a text. Um, that is the midway point. 41 games in, um, the Sixers, I wrote their record down. That's how prepared I am. 25 and 16, <laughs> fifth in the East at the midway point. Um, so you did an article giving everybody a grade, uh, a report card for the midway point of the season. So I want to do that today. Talk about, you know, all the players on the roster, top to bottom, obviously a little more time on the big guys. We're not going to go into Jaden Springer continually driving back and forth. Uh, yeah, he Bowie. got an incomplete for me. So yeah. we can just skip over him. Well, I gave him a D for Delaware. So 
I mean, at, at a certain point, I will say, like, when's this guy going to be a contributing player? He was a first round pick. You know, what, year four? Yeah. I mean, right. So that'll be our Jaden Springer discussion for the whole pod. But we basically just did PJ. So maybe we'll just start this by giving PJ his grade and then move on from there. Um, I'll, I mean, do you want to go first? I know what I'm going to give him. but So I felt like I was pretty generous to him. I gave him a C minus. That, that oh, was yeah, my, that uh, yeah. I mean, I gave him an F. Like, let's be real here. He's been a which is honestly, and I'll say, I think that's fair. Like, I don't yeah. think that's a, a crazy. He has not been good on a night to night basis. Right. I curved it in the sense that, like, I do think a lot of the problem is just that he hasn't been right. And like, I don't want to. I'm not in the business of like punishing someone because they're hurt. Like that sucks and it's bad. And there are team building issues because of that. But yeah, I feel like like beginning of the year, he looked great. Like he wasn't who he was in Miami, but he shot like something ridiculous, like 55% from three over the first like two, three weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. And then Harden gets hurt and the wheels came off. So, you know, there was a stretch where it looked like he was going to be the guy they thought they were getting. All right. You've convinced me. I'll go to a D minus. I'll move up. You're right. D Fair minus. enough. Fair enough. All right. So let's get into the main players on the team. Um, Joel Embiid, do you want to go first on this, on what, what you gave Joel for the first half of the season and just kind of summarize, I guess, what you've seen from him? Yeah. So he gets an A because his numbers are like 2K numbers. It's mm -hmm. absurd, the production he's putting up this year. I will say if we were going to curve it based on who he is and what our expectations are, I probably would have dinged him and brought his grade down for some of the like lackadaisical efforts at the start of the year games like yeah. OKC where like he scored 30, but that was a 30 that came like late in the game where they're already kind of out of it. He's in foul trouble. Like there have been some games that I didn't like leading into the month of December that I think he mostly has cleaned all that stuff up, but you know, he's had like some of the best performances in Sixers history this year. Yeah. And like, he's kind of at an undeniable level of production and they're a top five defense. And he's like one of the only good defenders that plays a lot of nights. So I, I can't give him anything other than an A, but I do think even within that, it's like where you have a gifted student in a class and the teacher gives them an A, but then sits them down and it's like, look, man, some of these papers you're submitting yeah. are bullshit. Like I know <laughs> you can do better. Yes. So there is a little bit of that for me, but you know, by and large, I, I think it's hard to give him anything other than an A. Um, real quick, what'd you think of Doc taking him out uh in the OKC game? Didn't you take him out with three fouls and like sat him for a little bit? Um, and the game kind of got pulled away. What'd you think of that decision? So I thought he was going to do the opposite when he had two fouls early in the game. He let it ride. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. Cause like, yeah. I hate that foul trouble is a thing that I think coaches get wrong all the time. I would prefer to see them just let guys play through fouls. Cause like mm -hmm. if you sit like Joel sat the final seven minutes of the second quarter, he might as well foul out at that point. Right. Like right. he's missing seven minutes of game time that you, you personally have just said, I'm not giving him those minutes. So like whether he fouls out or not, you already took those off the board. So I would rather see you guys play through that stuff. And it's honestly good to figure out like Joel is very good at avoiding foul trouble most of the time, but it's a good thing to have to know how to like navigate that, right? To mm -hmm. be able to defend and make an impact. 
without fouling the other team so much. So I, I didn't like that Doc pulled him. I thought he was going to go the other way. And I, I wish we would have seen Joel stick in the game without trouble. Yeah, I agree. I would have kept him in. Um, so my grade for Joel, I think your analogy about a gifted student that gets like 92s, but it's the teacher knows could get a 98 is probably the, the perfect one. Because there's no denying Joel has been one of the top, I don't know, five, six players in the NBA this season. I mean, 10 if you really want to be critical of him. So he's had unbelievable performances. And to a certain extent, he's swayed me a little bit back towards where I used to be with him, where I can appreciate what he does. Um, your points about the mid-range jumper, I think were an excellent one um, on how he's added that to his game and it's a very tough shot to stop. And he's been able to be a pretty consistent bucket because of that. Um, as much as I lean towards guards, I will say when he doesn't play, you can tell how much the team misses somebody that they can just go to to score because they have nobody else. So I think that obviously he's been an A, but I dinged him down to a B and it sounds like kind of for the same Ooh. reason. Yeah, for the same reasons you are. And here's why I went all the way down to a B. Because at a certain point, look, he's an awesome player. At a certain point, when you continually make the same mistake again and again, you have to get dinged a little harder for it or, or punished uh, you know, harder for it. Like the lack of effort stuff, and it's not every night, but it just, he doesn't seem more motivated this year than past seasons. He doesn't seem like he's coming with a new fire for the season, considering the importance of the season too. And I know that the NBA early on regular season is not the most important games in the world, right? This is, I'm not expecting to see game seven, second round fire from Joel, but it is just frustrating that I feel like when I watch him, he does not seem like fired up by it. He, he just, I think the team's main lack of effort problems, as we've talked about comes from the top. Like as much as we want to blame PJ for it, the team, the, the team is a reflection of the leadership. And Joel, I think's main problem is he just takes some nights off or stretches of the game off or looks disinterested. So he's an unbelievable talent. He's been better this year than I think I expected. As you put it perfectly, he has had some of the best games in Sixers history this season. But the, the moping just gets to me so bad sometimes. So I'm going to put him all the way down to a B. He's an A student. He's an A talent. But, you know, I used to thrive off effort points in college because I didn't get great grades, but I was I got the, the full effort grade. Right. Joel is getting dinged on the effort grade, which is completely within his control. And that's the most frustrating part for me. I, I think I, so I went I went all the way down to a B. Well, let's put it this way. I've been the Joel in class before. So I, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I understand him. Like clearly not Joel on a uh, basketball court, but no in a classroom setting where it's just like I sleep through 70 minutes of an 80 minute class and then get an yeah. A on the test and the teacher's like, the hell am I supposed to do with you? Like that, <laughs> that a teacher actually told my dad that growing up. They're like, I don't know what to do with your son. He just kind of like doesn't really care or pay attention. And then he gets a good grade and I don't really yeah. know what to say to him about it. So He's like, don't I, worry, he's going to grow up and talk about basketball. So whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted that career trajectory. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so like I get it. I still give Joel an A, but it's one of those where it's like, I know there's, and that's why like, I feel like with my writing and in the podcasting, like I feel like I've challenged Joel a lot. I agree. Year. Like I don't think I've 
a lot of people want to use the doc excuse and like oh, the coach sucks and blah 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 and we'll get to him at some point but like all the he as joel goes the team goes like you, when you see him show up and play hard everybody else follows him and it's that simple and i think he has to understand that i think he showed a better understanding of that over the last we'll call it like two months or so started the season was just bullshit from him and just not acceptable and i said it at the time yeah so as long as he continues more of the uh the last couple months compared to like the start of the year i think he's gonna have an a plus season he'll be right there for mvp discussion end of the year yeah he'll wake up in the last 10 minutes of the class like you did and just just (laughs) bring that a home all right james harden i'll go first for james okay james harden has proven me wrong this year when he signed this offseason for taking less money for trying to win and all this stuff, I I thought it was a joke. I made fun of him. I said, yeah, you're not taking less money. You're just not that good anymore, and this is what the market dictated. I could not have had lower expectations for James Harden coming into this season. I thought the trade looked bad. I called him Ben with a beard. I was wrong about James Harden. He has come in this year, and to me, he's not more important than Joel. Joel's the most important player on the team. But I do think there are times where you watch a team at their best where you can see Harden is the engine they need rather than Joel because he's a better passer. He's been excellent this year. He's averaging 11 assists, the most he has since 2016. He's shooting 38% from three, second highest of his of his career, and the best since 2011. Um, he's been everything I think the team could really hope for this year. Ultimately, it will come down to how he plays in the second round, which is the same for Joel, which is the same for all this team. But if you would have said to me, this is the type of Harden you're getting for the first half of the year, I would have laughed at you and said you were wrong. And I I would have been wrong. I think he's been way better than I could have expected. He does get dinged a little bit for the uh, the effort thing like Joel does. I think he's just as, as uh, guilty of that at times. But I think he's looked way better. I think he's been mostly what the Sixers asked for when they traded for him. So I'm giving him an A. I, I think that he has he has been in some ways some ways their best player this year when you when i consider dinging uh joel for the effort i think harden has been has been really really good so he's on the b plus a minus cusp for me Mm. because he is an absolutely horrible defender like and it'd be one thing if he was just bad he's bad and doesn't give a shit so it's like a, a the worst combination possible there are times when he gets beat because he doesn't take angles correctly or whatever. Right. There are also times where he's just like standing around, doesn't care, doesn't get back in transition, whatever. And like, that's who he is. Like we knew that, like, I, I'm not saying this is some new development. There've been low light montages made of him during his rockets days, whatever. So he gets dinged for that for me. And also for the fact that there are definitely times and matchups where he can't get by guys anymore. Like there are certain guys that are just, too athletic for him but i would say by and large that has not been a problem most of the year the burst has been better and i think the most important thing and it's why i lean toward a minus for him is that he has diversified his game enough that it like looks like he can be part of a high level offense in the playoffs even when he's not the guy who's you know quote unquote running the show like he has been better as a catch and shoot guy like is willing to get those shots up there was a play the other night against OKC where he just relocated to open up a shot on the weak side for DeAnthony Melton 
and Joel hits that pass over the top and, you know, they get a good three out of it. That that's stuff that he never used to do. It's a lot of hands on his hips, hands on his knees, just standing around while other people are doing stuff on ball or away from him. He's been more of a mid-range shooter this year, which I know not his favorite shot, certainly not Daryl Morey's favorite shot, but it's one that you need in the playoffs. Like there are going to be times where teams close out hard or you can't get to the rim and you have to hit a bailout mid-range shot. And I think he's been more willing to go to that well this year and he's hit that shot more often than in the past. That stuff is all going to matter a lot more in the postseason. And so I've seen things from him that I think are consequential to their floor and their ceiling in the playoffs. And that's more important than like, yeah, I like he has not been at his best every single night. He's had some bad turnovers in different games. The defense sucks, whatever. But like the stuff that matters, I think has been mostly good. And the Mm -hmm. playmaking has been awesome. He would be the league leader in assists if he qualified for it in games played. He'll eventually hit that. So by and large, I think he's been a really positive force for the team. And he transforms their offense whenever he's on the floor, like just point blank period. They're a different team with him out there. And I think on the whole, he's been very good for them. Yeah. And for me, I think he's the main reason I believe in the team. Joel has been awesome. And I, and you know, whatever the playoff thing, we don't have to get into that. I think Harden being the best version they could have hoped for this year is the main reason to believe in the team in the playoffs. Now playoffs are a long way away and you know, we, we can, basically cover every discussion we have about the team with it with that caveat but if just what you thought you were going to get out of him versus what they've gotten i think they they should be thrilled i think he's really helped his contract value for what it's worth and i'm seems like he believes that too talking about the houston rockets thing that he he leaked yeah. on christmas day but this idea that he's going to be cheap this offseason i don't think it's true anymore i i do think he'll he'll get a pretty decent deal uh if he decides to go into free agency i think he's staying here by the way yeah. like i i don't I think that that's a, a partnership that's like already been decided. If I had to guess, I, that's mm-hmm. not me reporting that, but like, I think a big part of the taking the discount is like, we're going to help you out on the other end of this. Right. Now, maybe he just like him and Joel get sick of each other or something, but so far I've seen nothing to suggest that anything's going to happen other than James getting another big contract. Yeah. Be my guess. And I think he's earned it more than he would have this past off season. All right. Next. Tyrese Maxey. You want to go first for uh, for New Balance's own Tyrese Maxey? Yeah, congratulations to him once again for securing the bag, by the <laughs> way. I have to make sure I say that. Um, yeah. I gave good. him a B. I, I think he was probably at an A level to start the season because he was doing just everything they needed him to do. He's awesome shooting, giving them some juice in transition, looked good playing off of Harden. And he has not looked like that guy recently. And he deserves the grace period because of the injury and all that. But the shooting has not been good, which is a really important thing. He has had the burst, but seeing Melton in that starting lineup and seeing them succeed with, you know, more of a complimentary guy in the backcourt that he's like the little things type guy next to Harden. It makes you wonder whether the best version of this team features Tyrese as much as it does, or even has Tyrese on it, depending on if you wanted to move him. Like you do start to think more and more about those questions. I know we've discussed uh, potential trades with Tyrese uh, in the past. So 
I think he deserves some time to, you know, settle in, but that question just nags at me, like whether him and Harden in the playoffs is a combination that works because there are going to be teams that just absolutely hunt those two on defense that makes it impossible to keep them on the floor at the same time. Like uh, a better version of the problem they had in Ben's rookie year where it was JJ and Manu Ginobili or not Manu Ginobili, <laughs> uh, Marco Ban- Bellinelli where <laughs> I don't know why I, I, the Spurs had this Alamo dome game yesterday. So he's oh, yeah. in my brain, I guess Bellinelli and Reddick were just like absolute food for the Celtics in that series. And Maxi and Harden are both better than those guys in terms of all that they bring to the table. Yeah. But I wonder if you run into the same problem as they did in that series where one of them is just like a revolving door on defense. And there's only so much that Joel can do to clean it up on the back end. So some of my concerns are more future focused, but also he's in that B range because of, you know, how good Melton has been and the questions that, you know, stem from mm-hmm. that. So I feel like I'm probably being a little harsh with this grade. And I do think a lot of Maxi's problems that I have with him or like giving him this grade is because of the team around him. I think if he was on OKC, for example, he would be a much different player, at least further along. Sometimes I watch him on the Sixers and it feels like he's caught between two places where he's not getting anything run for him like he is uh, like Harden and Embiid are. But also, they're not a great running team because everyone on the team is slow besides him. So I don't think he gets to feature the best part of his game. He is a really good shooter. So having him just stand is not the end of the world because he he has been a good shooter. You're right. Since he returned, it's not been great. And he's dealing with a foot injury. But I gave him a B B minus because to me, I was hoping to see him take a step forward this year. And he kind of just looks like the same guy. But I think part of that is because of his role but I was hoping he was going to look a little more like a player that would be the guy, a guy that could, you know, give you 28 points, not 28 points consistently, obviously, but a guy that you felt you could run the offense through a little bit more than they are. And I was thinking about this and debating this uh, with some of my friends. Do you think he's still worth a max contract? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's an interesting question. I personally probably do not want to give him that level of contract just because small guards, the the barrier or the, the hurdle you have to clear there on offense is so high. Like right. you have to essentially be Dame Lillard to be a, a max level guy at that size and be that bad defensively or be as much of a potential target defensively. And I don't think he's going to get there mm-hmm. because I, I like – The one concern I have with him on offense is that when you see him in those units where he's like the guy, there are a lot of times where he just like can't get by people. And it's Mm -hmm. not guys who are like great defenders either. There's not a ton in terms of like real ball handling craft where, you know, he's crossing guys over and it's a lot of speed and like, that's great. And if you can use that to your advantage, that's awesome. But like, 
you're not always going to be able to beat everybody with speed. And there are going to be times where you're just going 100 miles an hour and you fling a, a layup off the backboard that caroms the other way. You're running into the stands off the miss and they have a four on five going the yeah. other way. So I do have some concerns on the offensive end too. Now, if he shoots as well as he did uh, end of last year, started this year, that's all moot. Like Because if you can drag people out, it doesn't matter if you really have any other moves, but I do think about that a lot because the numbers with him as like the lead guy are not very good. And we're starting to get to the point where that should change, right? Like that happening in his first couple of years, who cares? He's deep enough in his career at this point. He should be able to, if he's the offensive player, we think he is, he should be able to anchor these units. And I do think there've been some encouraging moments lately. There was a, a game recently where I thought he had an awesome, you know, solo ball handling stint, but you know, by and large, they still, it's like he has to be next to somebody like Harden who's doing a lot of the heavy lifting as a playmaker and a table setter to get him where he needs to go. So my, my thing with the max maxi maxi max contract is I do think on one hand, the way the league is set up, you almost just have to give it to him because He's your only good young asset. He's your only really good young player with upside where you could look and say, okay, this can be a guy that could be a great player for us in five years. I don't think you can say that for Harden or, or Joel at this point. So on one hand, it's a simple discussion. You give him the max contract. On the other hand, I don't think he right, right now is not a player that is worth $36 million a year or whatever that max would be. Um, he just doesn't give you enough. I, I think he's a role player at this point. Now, again, it could be because of the situation, right? I mean, you talked about the the ball handling and all that. He doesn't get a ton of opportunity to do that because Harden's here, and then he was also playing with Ben. So I don't think he's been given a chance to develop. But the issue is Harden is probably back next year. Joel is definitely back next year, barring him demanding his way out. So at what point does Maxi become worth that money? And I just don't know if he is. People love to rip Tobias for his contract. It could kind of be a similar thing where you're giving Maxi all this money and he's basically just an elite six man slash really good runs the floor guy for you. So I think it's it's an it's an interesting discussion for them. I think they'll probably just end up doing it. But I would be lying if I said that part of me would be a little interested in trading him just so you don't have to give him that deal and flip him into you know somebody it's tough now because he only makes like $3 million. But at the end of the day, I'm just a little more hesitant. I also wonder if everyone's so sure Maxi is worth a max deal, why isn't uh, DeAnthony Melton? DeAnthony Melton does a lot of the same things Maxi does. Uh, he's bigger, or at least he, you know, he, he, I think he's a bigger presence on the court. He's just as good of a shooter. I know Maxi has a higher ceiling, but I don't get how we can say Maxi, you got to give him the max deal. But with Melton, you know, you definitely wouldn't. Yeah, well, I think Melton's going to get a lot of money on his next deal. He's not going to be on uh, $8 million a year would be my right. prediction there. Uh, with Tyrese, I, we mostly agree. Like, I, I just don't – I think he's going to get the max because that's just, like, what happens with good players yeah, coming off rookie deals. But And we're going to see this, too, with, uh, with Jalen Hurts when he signs a new deal. Like, it, it's always easy to love somebody as a fan or even, like – a, a quote-unquote objective media member when they play well on a cheap deal. The moment you put pen to paper on a massive contract, the expectations change. And like yeah. whether that's fair or not, 
they're going to be also like if you have team building concerns or like roster restrictions based on that contract like Tyrese Maxey if he signs a max extension now he gets into that Tobias territory of like if you're not producing people are going to be pissed and saying how could they use that money otherwise like Jalen Hurts once he signs his deal and I'm sure he's going to get a ton of money whenever he signs his deal because mm-hmm. he's been awesome if he doesn't consistently meet that level that people expect they're going to be coming with torches and pitchforks like that's just how it works like guys guys on rookie deals get a lot of leeway and they're always the most beloved players because expectations are lower and if they fail or if they're bad it's not a team crippling thing if you fail on a bigger deal that's a team crippling mistake that the team made and now, obviously, it's a lot of that, and if not all of it, is just the team giving the guy too much money. Like, it's not the player's yeah. fault for saying, I want as much money as I can get. But we're going to find out how much people really love Tyrese next year or next couple years when right. he's on one of those type of deals. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I'll say, the difference, though, for me, and I, you would probably agree with this, but the difference between Tyrese and Jalen is – Jalen has been arguably the MVP of the NFL. Oh, right. I'm not saying they're at the same level. I'm just saying it's once you have a, you set a certain bar as Jalen has this year and Tyrese has set a different bar, but has set his bar. If you are falling under that and you're also making a lot more money and that's having, you know, that has implications for how the team is constructed. Like the Eagles are going to have to make tough decisions with who they keep, who they sign, et cetera, because of that then that's a lot more pressure uh, on the quarterback. It's going to be a lot more pressure on Tyrese, even if it's a different sort of pressure. Right. No, I, I no, I hundred percent agree with you. And the maxi contract thing, uh, it's going to be interesting, especially this off season. All right. Um, we can probably start to fly through these a, a little bit. Tobias for me, uh, I'll, I'll go first on this one. I gave him an A. I know he he had that really great stretch, and he's probably cooled off a little bit since then. But I think if we wanted if we want to take away effort points from Joel and Harden, I think Tobias makes up for whatever cold stretch he went through by earning effort points because he has clearly worked to change his game. He's been everything that the Sixers could have hoped. Thirty eight percent for thirty eight percent from three on over five attempts. Um, yeah, I I just think he's been an A player for them, and he's even gotten to the point where. Look, I'd still trade him for for Zach Levine, but I'm definitely not just giving Tobias away. I think he fits kind of perfectly for the role, and you've made this point. He fits perfectly for what they need in a way from the number three slash four guy. He just, to get back to the maxi thing, he just makes a ton of money. So he's obviously going to be in the trade discussions, but I definitely think he gets an A so far. Yeah, well, so I actually gave him a B, but it was Mm -hmm. mostly because... I think the shooting has tailed off enough that it's like, all right, if that's his one thing that he does, even if we're excited about the idea that like, all right, he finally embraced this role, then he does need to be really good at it. Like the difference between him being a 41, 42% shooter and like a 37, 38% shooter is pretty big. If that's like all he's doing for long stretches of games, then he needs to be at a really high level. Like it's not that he's been bad recently, but he's that has tailed off and that has a big impact on his grade. I do think that he has not helped with the rebounding problems, which I, I think, you know, a guy his size and you know relative level of athleticism, he should be a better rebounder than he is. Like he has fine raw numbers there, but I, I the eye test suggests that like he's getting beat over the top or with speed and things like mm-hmm. that. Like I think that's a problem. 
Um, I do think like if we're just saying on vibes, I think he kind of gets an A. Like I, I do think that he's been the pulse of the team in a lot of ways where, you know, he's able to pull them through these games where they're undermanned or something like that. And, you know, they're, he deserves credit for that, for being able to toggle between the two different versions. But overall, I think a B, maybe a B plus is fair. If you want to give him an A, because we're giving him the, uh, the overachiever points or the, yeah. uh, the good Effort role player points. points, that's fine. Um, not going to argue about it, but I gave him mm-hmm. a B. Um, speaking of rebounding really quick, I think sometimes, at least for me, as someone that's not a trained NBA expert uh, and watching like rebounding, it can be tough to tell who's a good rebounder, who's not. I think I've discovered the best way to, to do that, though. If you bet on a player to rebound, there is whether over or under, there is nothing like watching a game when your eyes are sealed on that player being like, go get that rebound. <laughs> and you can find out how much they really want to rebound like De- Deontay Murray. Watch him for a night. I know he does rebound. The night I watch him, like, that dude doesn't want to rebound. So the next time I need to figure out if a sixer needs good rebounding, I won't bet on them. Not ethical, obviously. But it's a good way to do it if you're a Sixers fan and you want to figure out who's a good rebounder and who's not. Um, DeAnthony Melton, what would be your grade for him? So I think in the column, I gave him a B plus. And the more I thought about it, I think he's got to be at least an A minus or yeah, an A. Because I, I think agree. he's exceeded all expectations he's like by far their best offseason acquisition and the fact that we are are able to have the discussion about uh potentially bumping him into the starting lineup and saying things like he has to play in crunch time and in big playoff moments whatever that suggests that he's probably an a player for this year because i think he's been way better than even i would have expected yeah, I, I agree. Um, again, when I talked about why Harden's a reason to believe going into the playoffs, I really think the larger reason is the guards have been way better. For as all the criticism we have of Maxi when we discussed him, uh, DeAnthony has been that difference from being, okay, they have two good guards that both have their flaws, to being like, wow, they have three that they can really count on. I mean, we talked about three-guard lineups. So I think he deserves uh, an A, a pretty solid A, um, for sure. Now, when he if he does go in the starting lineup and he's playing big minutes, then the expectations change and we'll see if he can step up to that. But based off of what they thought they'd get from him going into the year to what they have gotten, I think he's definitely uh an A. All right, Matisse Thibel. In my heart, I wanted to give him an F. <laughs> but the fans are always pointing to his on-off numbers and yes. oh my God, he's like one of the best players on the team. So as a compromise, since they want to give him an A, I gave him a, a C, just a first right. C. So I gave him a C plus, and this is probably completely unfair, but I just do feel like he's been better this year. I have no way to point to it. I have nothing to statistically. I just feel like he's not been the, a complete disaster, and maybe it's maybe he should be more like a C minus, D plus type of guy. But I think he's probably been more of a pleasant surprise than a disappointment just this year. Oh, um, I 100% disagree with that. I think he has sucked. I think this okay. has been Fair enough. This has been his worst offensive season when you consider that he's this far in. Like he has regressed to I think two seasons ago is probably his worst offensive season. And I think he's been ago, wasn't he? No, this is his fourth year. So oh yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. He was here for the Brett Brown era too. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the, the covid season or the interrupted by covid season i should say um 
I think he's been bad enough on offense after. And it, I think it the thing that really just grinds my gears a lot is that it was like all off season. It was like Matisse has been in the gym. He's been a maniac. <laughs> he's been one of our hardest workers. And it's like, this guy doesn't look any different than yeah. he did last year. And so that that's a thing that I probably shouldn't hold as much against him. But like the, um, do you know what his plus minus was? And we don't have to do plus minus stuff because it's always like a stupid stat. You know mm-hmm. what his plus minus was in that Thunder game in like 10 minutes? I'm going to guess really bad based off the fact that you sound like you hate him, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Negative 27. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. In like, in like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's pretty and impressive. I, I believe somebody that one of my Twitter followers posted a thing or like tweeted at me said that was the single worst plus minus of anybody who only played 10 minutes of anybody in the league this year. You would think so. it would have to be, if not league history. I mean, yeah. 20, minus 27 in 10 minutes, that's pretty hard. All right, you've talked me down. I'm at a, I'm at a, <laughs> uh, a D plus. I would I, so I, I'll say this. I am skewed on him because I just don't believe in him as a playoff guy, period. Mm-hmm. Like I'm at the point with I him. I, he's like the role player Ben for me where I don't – the shit he does well, I don't think matters that much. And the things he does not do well, I think are really important in a playoff series. And so I'm like, I admit to my, if you want to call them biases there, I admit to those. I just, I don't believe in him. And like, he has had some good games. He had some good stretches, but ultimately I think teams don't guard him when it matters. And that's, that's the most important thing. He also commits a ton of dumb fouls, which if you're thinking, oh, those drive me crazy. I love the doc brings him in on a lot of like end of first quarter, end of third quarter subs for defense. So and on press row, we're always like, it's like 50, 50. He's going to foul this guy. And on threes too. Like it's, it's insane. Um, All right. So shake Milton, I give him an a, I just think he's, he's been good this year. He looks more legit to me than he, than he does this year. Frankly, maybe it's just, I had low expectations, but I'm kind of in on Shake. I think he's uh, I think he's been good. I gave him a B, but I, I you could probably talk me into a B plus A minus. I think it's been a, a great bounce back year for him and a little bit underrated that he helped pull them through that stretch where yeah, you know, the backcourt injuries like Melton got a lot of the shine. Um, but I, I think Shake deserves a lot of credit. And he looks contract like year Shake, baby. He's fighting yeah. for that next deal. <laughs> exactly. I think he looks like a guy that could give you like, you know eight, nine minutes in a playoff game. Like I think, you know, he could, you know, score a little bit for you. Um, all right. House Jr., the second F for me of everybody here. I mean, the dude basically doesn't exist. Like, I, I just, I, you know, <laughs> like, I, I, I forgot he was on the team for a bit of a stretch. He, w- he went in a few nights ago, and for a brief second, I was like, who's this guy? Um, so I gave him an F. I mean, I don't, I don't know what positive he's done this year. And he didn't get a ton of money, so it's not like he got the three years 30 like, like PJ did. But he was signed also under that kind of going to bring that dog type of thing. And he's just on the bench all the time. So I, I gave him an F. I gave him a D. I definitely could have been convinced to give him an F. But I and I didn't say this in the article. I wanted to give him a D for dummy because he's just mm. done a ton of stupid shit. Like a lot of the same problems as Matisse without offering the same upside defensively where you right. know, he's causing lots of turnovers, whatever. I do think there's still an outside chance that he is like a guy they need to rely on in the playoffs because well, they better I think not. he, Oh, I think he's a big enough athletic enough guy that 
he is a switchable defender that you throw in there and you can play like a just switch everything type lineup and that helps and he'll make enough threes to make teams pay he is the weirdest shooter of all time like shoots on the way down which is what you're taught not to do the first time you play basketball and he takes corner step back threes which should be like borderline impossible i've seen you getting the footwork (laughs) down for that he shoots like it feels like 90 percent on those and zero percent on like basic catch and shoot jumpers and i just cannot figure him out but yeah has been bad is out of the rotation right now rightfully so um could could get a failing grade at the end of the year i'm putting him at a d for now as like a you're on notice buddy like get your act together yeah well, I gave him an F, so he's on notice for he has to improve to to pass the ESP course here. Um, Absolutely. Right. Wait, actually, we're, real quick tangent. Hilarious locker room guy, which is why I think I probably give him uh, I a can little see bit that. more grace. I can see that. I mean, it seemed like he certainly, you know, he was the bubble guy, right? Wasn't he the guy that, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. he got himself he's like off the court. Yeah, off the court, he's, uh, he's a little more interesting than on the court. Um, yeah. All right. The last kind of interesting one, we'll do it maybe as a duo. Paul Reed and uh, Montrez Harrell. I, I have a, a take that I'm probably going to regret, but dude, Paul Reed is overrated. I'm so sick of the like, play Paul Reed, play Paul Reed. He's a fine player. I don't think he's that much better, if even better than Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell is playing at a point where he'll score like 18 points or 17 or whatever, and people still don't give him credit. Paul Reed. Because he's giving back 25 points at the other right, end. Whatever. Paul Reed scores like four <laughs> points, and you would think it's like, oh, why isn't this guy playing 30 minutes a game? Paul Reed is a fine player, you know, again, fine player, but I I, like Montrezl Harrell. I I think from what I've watched, I get he's bad on defense. And again, this is maybe my defense doesn't matter bias showing in, but I don't know. I think on, on offense, especially Harden when he's on with Harden, I think Harden's made him look like a, like a decent backup center. He's weirdly sized. Like he's kind of undersized for that role, but I gave them both a B. I'm not going to sit here and give Montrez an F just because people want Paul Reed to play. I gave them both a B. I gave them both C's and I like, so I think there's a middle ground between what you said and like the fans who are like dying to have Paul Reed play, you know, 15 minutes a night, every night. Like I I do think people probably take some little things that Trez does on offense for granted. Like he just knows how to play within pick and rolls with Harden where he's a pretty good short roll passer. Like he'll hit the open guy in the corner. If, the defense collapses on the middle of the floor. He's got really great hands. Like he plucks down balls that are like at his knees that like no guy should be able to get those. Like somebody throws some of the passes he gets to you in a pickup game. You're like chewing the guy out. Like what the hell are you doing to me? Like why are you expecting me to catch that pass? He catches those passes reliably and turns those into easy dunks and layups. Like those are things that you shouldn't take for granted. And I do think Paul has improved on offense where I think his craft as a finisher has been better this year. You've seen him sort of figure out the nuances of playing and pick and roll, but like you watch some possessions and James is telling him like, do this, like trying to tell him to go somewhere. And Paul's just like deer in the headlights. (laughs) Like, what are you asking me to do? There's a play in the thunder game actually, where James like chewed him out in the middle of the game because he was pissed that, now, James also had a horrible turnover because of this, like threw it off somebody's leg. So that was part of it. But I, there is a, a level of inexperience with Paul that you can see shine through. But that also is why you need to play him more. Like he does need to get reps or he's never, you're never going to be able to leverage 
he is a way better defender is like longer and more athletic than Trez is. And I think the best version of this team has the best version of Reed versus Harold. Like Trez is not going to change who he is at this point, right? Like right. defensively in the playoffs, he is going to be a liability always has been. And he's not as good of an offensive player as he once was. So like, to me, you should be spending this time trying to get Paul to where he needs to go. Cause like worst case scenario is you play Paul second half of the year. He doesn't get where you need him to go. And you say to Trez, like, we just need you to be the guy you've been your entire career. Like his, his arc doesn't change. Like you don't need him to do or learn anything more. It's be the same guy you've always been. So I think they need to use these minutes for development of Paul because I agree. He's not that good right now. <laughs> yeah. They have they have gotten destroyed in his minutes. Like if you were to look at all the on off stuff, mm-hmm. they don't win the minutes he's in. And not only do they not win them, they often get their asses kicked. Now we could parse through who he's playing with and when and against who and all that. But like the fact of the matter is there has not been evidence to suggest like they got to have this guy on the floor like that, that I a hundred percent agree with and it is on him and it's on the lineups with him to prove that he needs to get those minutes. So right now I think they're both C players. They both have their strengths and weaknesses. And I think doc, and this is, we'll get to doc in a second, I guess. I think doc has handled that situation perfectly fine this year. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll say on those two is one, and maybe I view this from a football kind of rep point where, like, Paul Reed, I agree, he's a better defensive player than Harrell. He has a better defensive body, all those things. Paul Reed has not earned the right to any minutes. Like, he he is not, like, a first-round pick. He's not making $10 million a year. Paul Reed is getting minutes because of the roster's issues, and so you develop him for that. But it's not like they have some organizational commitment to developing Paul Reed, I guess is how I feel about it. But then with uh, Harold, you know, as much as I hate the whole, you know, dog, whatever, blah, at least I will say he feels like he's come in and when he's out there, he tries hard. He shows effort. Um, you know, I thought the latter thing was dumb that he did with Giannis, but whatever. I mean, he's been more of that guy <laughs> than, than Tucker and, and house has been. So I don't know. I'm not as down on Harold as other people. And I'm sure I'll, you know, look dumb where in the playoffs he he gets absolutely torched. He's gonna suck like he always does. Yeah, and just exactly. get torched by good teams. But like yeah. he's a backup center. That's why he's a backup center. All right, Doc Rivers, to continue, I guess, the trajectory of Sixers fans being mad at me. I gave him an A minus. I mean, I don't know. They're they're right there with the one seed. I know they're not, they're the fifth seed, but they're right there. It's certainly within within uh grasp. Um, and Bede's missed time, Harden's missed time, Maxi's missed time. I think that overall, yeah, you can nitpick certain things, um, you know, taking him beat out with the fouls, whatever. I, I think he's been mostly a good coach. So I gave him a B. I probably lean more toward B plus on further reflection. Like I think most of most, if not all, their problems are not a product of him, right? Like, mm-hmm. and if you look at the things that are like active decisions that he makes. I think he's handled a lot of the roster battles well, right? Like this has not been a situation where he just plays quote unquote, his guys through bad minutes or like tough stretches. Like Matisse Thibel has a bad game. He's only playing 10 minutes and doc is pulling him. PJ Tucker is struggling. He doesn't play crunch time. And we see three guard lineups. We've seen doc do more of that experimentation where they're playing three guard lineups. They play small ball to start a game when, you know, Joel is not playing. They use small ball and they end up losing the game to Milwaukee second game of the year 
But small ball in the fourth quarter gets them back into that game with James leading the way. He has navigated this season about uh, not as well as you possibly could, but has done well in a lot of ways. Like the underman lineups, they've done well when they've been missing one or perhaps multiple stars at a time. The Reed Montrez thing that we just talked about, like I don't think he's mishandled that. I think he gave Paul like a real chance to be the guy. He was in the lineup for you know a few weeks where he was the the primary backup center. Yeah, and they got killed during those minutes. Like, I mean, right. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, Doc, just keep playing him no matter what happens with these bench guys. Like, that's just not how it works, right? Because so he's not think, a first round pick. He's not making a ton of money. They don't. Yes, yes, sorry. He's just like your backup center is not someone like a developmental backup center. It's not someone you build the entire team identity around, right? Yeah. Like, yes. you don't just keep saying, well, we think he might be something someday, so we're willing to just punt these minutes for like three months to get Paul Reed more playing time. Like that's just not a thing. Especially when everyone they can afford fired. to do. Especially when everyone wants you fired for what it's worth. But you even know? still, like yeah. they're fighting for playoff positioning. Yeah, the East I agree. is really tough this year. And where they finish in the standings is going to have a huge impact on whether they can get out of the second round. Like they could end up if they're in fifth right now, I think they end up higher than that. If you end up in a four or five matchup with Cleveland, who's got Donovan Mitchell playing awesome this year. Yeah, that'd be tough. They have a tough front line. Like, I think Joel will handle them. But, like, Darius Garland, too. Like, that's a really good team that you'd have to play round one, let alone then you're playing Boston on the road in round two, potentially. Like, that's that's bad. Like, yeah, it's very bad. So, like, getting to, like, two and you play, I don't know. I'd have to look at the same. But you probably end up playing, like, Atlanta, who's been mostly trash for this mm-hmm. year or a team like that, like that's a real difference maker. And then you play, maybe you play Brooklyn or with Brooklyn wouldn't be great. Cause they've looked better once KD got his shit together. They're also a fake but, team though. So, but you could also play at home. So like these games matter. You can't just throw games away for developmental purposes. So I think doc has done a mostly good job. I know people don't want to hear that and that's not what the perception is, but like I am more understanding of the frustration with him than people would think. Like I get the playoff failures that he's had. Like I'm under no illusion. You play the Miami heat in round one, that he's a better coach than Spolstra. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a matchup that they would have to fear, even with Miami struggling for most of this year. But for what he's had to do up to this point, doc has done a perfectly fine job. I think it's a V B plus type job. Yeah. And Look, Spolstra is a good head coach. I will say, if I'm not mistaken, he's only ever won a title when he had LeBron, for what it's worth, right? So, I mean, again, Doc, now Doc had KG and Ray Allen and all those people. But, yeah, so I agree with you on Doc. Um, And I think at the midway point, the team has been mostly a success, you know, despite the the struggles and the injuries and stuff. I think if if you would have told me at the beginning of the year – they're right around where they should be, considering Harden's been been better than thought, and Bede's been mostly healthy, missed some time, but I think they deserve credit for that. So, all right, yeah. anything else? Uh, anything else? Well, we had two here? more guys, but we'll just grade them real quick. Uh, Niang and Korkmaz. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot Niang. So I gave Niang an A. He does what he does. He's shooting better than last year, basically. Um, and then Cork. Uh, who, who was the other one we missed? Ferk. You said Korkmaz. I said yeah, I gave- C minus for him. 
I gave Ferk an F. He's a complete like he's a, <laughs> he's a complete non-factor. He's been here for how many years? He barely plays. He demanded a trade. I mean, they re-signed him for what is what they get. He makes like five million bucks, if I'm not mistaken, or something like Listen, that. Listen, that contract might come in handy. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, look, his best asset at this point isn't even the trade value because he barely plays. So I, I gave him an F in the Ang and A. All right. I gave Niang a B because he's basically comes down to his shooting. His shooting's been good more often than not, but when it's not, he is like, you might as well just send him to the locker room. Yeah. He's, he's not giving you anything. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, all right. Well, this was fun. It also took longer than I expected. I think too. that's the longest pod we've done. So I, I was going to say, yeah, like I have more to say, but I almost like we should wrap it up and save this uh, uh, for the next pod. But all right. So the Sixers play West coast next week, which means, a lot of late nights. Good for you because it sounds like you're a night owl. Bad for me because I like to be in bed by 10, 10.30 at the at the. Oh, at man. The yeah, I yeah. can't even imagine going to bed that early. Oh, it's the best. Put on Seinfeld, fall asleep. That's just the, the perfect night for Elliot. Um, But so they play tonight, Saturday night. Um, I think they play, play tomorrow night, too. Okay, so maybe Lake, uh, Lake Show tomorrow night might be a Monday pod. I think I was gonna say, sounds like a Monday pod is brewing. Um, that's not, all right, so we will be back and we can just call it now. I can do Monday morning. Oh, no, yeah, I can do Monday morning. So we'll try to be back on Monday morning, if not Tuesday, but probably Monday morning. Um, all right, no more final thoughts, I would guess. Anything else you got before we wrap this bad boy up? No, we gotta let producer James go. So I know you can see in his eyes, he's ready to, uh, to, to, to bounce. Um, all right. This has been the Clap Your Hands pod. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time.